Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Wednesday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I'm your host, literally Heather. Guess what, guys? I have two more affiliate exclusives to offer you, and I'm not going to lie, I'm really excited that Palmetto State Armory is offering these exclusive deals because it makes me feel like I have something of legitimate value to offer you that you can't just go pick up on your own if you take the time to look for it. The first exclusive is a PSA dagger full-size 9mm with threaded barrel for only $3.19.99. The second is the PSA 5.7 Rock Optics Ready with copper threaded barrel for only $549.99. The links are in the show description. Two really great handguns to pick up, especially that full size for everyday carry or entry-level handgun training. Big ruling out of the Third Circuit Court of Appeals yesterday. Uh, The U.S. government cannot ban people convicted of nonviolent crimes from possessing guns, a federal appeals court ruled on Tuesday. The 11-4 ruling from the Philadelphia-based Third U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals is the latest defeat for gun control laws in the wake of the U.S. Supreme Court ruling last year, New York v. Bruin. The decision stems from a 2020 lawsuit by a Pennsylvania man, Brian Range, who was barred under federal law from possessing a gun after pleading guilty to welfare fraud. He claimed the prohibition violated his right to bear arms under the Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. We're very pleased that the Third Circuit has vindicated the rights of our client by faithfully applying the Supreme Court's decision. Range's lawyer Peter Patterson said in an email, The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms which enforces federal gun laws, declined to comment. Range pleaded guilty in 1995 to committing welfare fraud in Pennsylvania in order to obtain $2,458 of food stamps, a misdemeanor punishable by up to five years imprisonment. He was sentenced to three years of probation. Federal criminal law generally bars people convicted of crimes punishable by more than a year in prison from possessing guns. Such crimes are usually felonies, but the law also includes some state misdemeanors like ranges. A federal judge ruled against range in 2021. Last June, however, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the Second Amendment protects individuals' right to carry guns in public for self-defense and that any restrictions on that right must be consistent with the nation's historical tradition of gun regulation. You guys have heard me say it a thousand times. Circuit Judge Thomas Hardiman wrote for the majority on Tuesday that the government had failed to point to any laws from the United States founding establishing a tradition of disarming nonviolent criminals. Four judges dissented, whereas here, the legislature has made a reasonable and considered judgment to disarm those who show disrespect for the law, it is not the place of unelected judges to substitute that judgment with their own, wrote Circuit Judge Cheryl Ann Krause, one of the dissenters. 
Y'all know I'm an absolutist, so this is music to my ears. Honestly, everyone has the right to their life, liberty, and property. That someone had a criminal record, but the government deemed they were safe for society and good to go to re-enter the public, then they should be able to own a firearm to protect themselves. If they aren't safe enough to be in society, why were these people released in the first place? I wish I had Patriot Sports Radio's X-File music for this next story, though. I can't even do it. Um, Just imagine for a moment that it's playing before I start this story. The United States has been urged to disclose evidence of UFOs after a whistleblower and former intelligence official said the government has possession of intact and partially intact alien vehicles. The former intelligence official, David Grush, who led analysis of unexplained anomalous phenomena, or UAP, because that's the new word for UFO, within a U.S. Department of Defense agency, has alleged that the U.S. has craft of non-human origin. I can't believe alien spaceships has entered the, the bingo chat. Information on these vehicles is being illegally withheld from Congress, Grush told the debrief. Grush said when he turned over classified information about the vehicles to Congress, he suffered retaliation from government officials. He left the government in April after a 14-year career in U.S. intelligence. Jonathan Gray, a current U.S. intelligence official at the National Air and Space Intelligence Center, or NASIC, confirmed the existence of, quote, exotic materials to the debrief, adding, we are not alone. These disclosures come after a swell of credible sightings and reports have revived attention in alien ships and potentially visits in recent years. In 2021, the Pentagon released a report on UAP, the term is preferred to UFO, by much of the extraterrestrial community which found more than 140 instances of UAP encounters that could not be explained. The report followed a leak of military footage that showed apparently inexplicable happenings in the sky while Navy pilots tested, or I apologize, testified that they had frequently had encounters with strange craft off the U.S. coast. In an interview with the debrief, journalists Leslie Keen and Ralph Blumenthal who previously exposed the existence of a secret Pentagon program that investigated UFOs, Grush said the U.S. government and defense contractors had been recovering fragments of non-human craft, and in some cases, entire craft, for decades. We're not talking about prosaic origins or identities, Grush said. The material includes intact and partially intact vehicles. Grush told the debrief that analysis determined that this material is of, quote, exotic origin, meaning non-human intelligence, whether extraterrestrial or unknown origin. This assessment is based on the vehicle morphologies and material science testing and the possession of unique atomic arrangements and radiological signatures, Grush said. Nick Pope who spent the early 1990s investigating UFOs for the British Ministry of Defense, said Grush and Gray's account of alien materials was, quote, very significant. 
it's one thing to have stories on the conspiracy blogs, but this takes it to the next level with genuine insiders coming forward, Pope said. When these people make formal complaints, they do so on the understanding that if they've knowingly made a false statement, they're liable to a fairly hefty fine and or prison. People say, oh, people make up stories all the time. But I think it's very different to go before Congress and go to the intelligence community inspector general and do that because there will be consequences if it emerges that this is not true. The article is very long. It goes into more claims and details, but does stop short of saying that definitively there is alien life out there. My questions are twofold. First of all, why does it matter? Is this an important thing for government to allocate time, resources, and manpower to? I would argue yes. We're talking interplanetary warfare. We're being observed in battle as an enemy would scout its next conquest, and we're pretending it's science fiction and conspiracy. Which brings me to my second question. Why all the secrecy and weirdness around this subject? If they discover some random amoeba in the rainforest or melting ice in the Arctic, you see article after article regarding the discovery. Why is this stuff shrouded in so much secrecy? Do they think we're too stupid or arrogant to process the idea that we are not the only species in the universe? Do they think that they won't need all of us to stop an alien species if it decides to invade and try to take over our world? Independence Day says that won't work out well for them. All jokes aside, I've never been big into the UFO alien stuff, but it says a great deal about where we are as a country that a revelation this large barely makes a blip on the news because they would prefer we all remain ignorant and enslaved, arguing over whether red or blue has all the answers to fix the world. They want you embroiled in debate and argument that they stay above and removed from, when all I want is for you to realize they're the same problem that we all share. The SEC sued cryptocurrency platform Coinbase on Tuesday, the second lawsuit in two days against a major crypto exchange. In a dramatic escalation of a crackdown on the industry and one that could dramatically transform a market, that has largely operated outside regulation. I noticed that FTX wasn't included in a lawsuit. Odd that, isn't it? The U.S. Securities Exchange Commission on Monday took aim at Binance, the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange. The SEC accuses Binance and its CEO, Chengpeng Zhao, of operating a web of deception. If successful, the lawsuits could transform the crypto market by successfully asserting the SEC's jurisdiction over the industry, which for years has argued that tokens do not constitute securities and should not be regulated by the SEC. The two cases are different, but overlap and point in the same direction. The SEC's increasingly aggressive campaign to bring cryptocurrencies under the jurisdiction of the federal securities laws. However, that the SEC has not previously taken on such major crypto players is interesting. If the SEC prevails in either case, the cryptocurrency industry will be transformed. 
In its complaint filed in Manhattan federal court, the SEC said Coinbase has since at least 2019 made billions of dollars by operating as a middleman on crypto transactions while evading disclosure requirements meant to protect investors. The SEC said Coinbase traded at least 13 crypto assets that are securities that should have been registered, including tokens such as Solana, Cardano, and Polygon. I feel like these guys didn't get the memo. The whole point of crypto is decentralization and deregulation. It's people who are willing to take the risks so as to not have to play governmental games. Paul Gruel, Coinbase's general counsel, said in a statement that the company will continue operating as usual and has demonstrated commitment to compliance. Owanda senior market analyst Ed Moya said the SEC looks like it's playing whack-a-mole with crypto exchanges and because most exchanges offer a range of tokens that operate on blockchain protocols targeted by regulators, it seems like this is just the beginning. Securities, as opposed to other assets such as commodities, are strictly regulated and require detailed disclosures to inform investors of potential risks. The Securities Act of 1933 outlined a definition of the term security, yet many experts rely on two U.S. Supreme Court cases to determine if an investment product constitutes an actual security. SEC Chair Gary Gensler has long said tokens constitute securities and has steadily asserted its authority over the crypto market, focusing initially on the sale of tokens and interest-bearing crypto products. More recently, however, it has taken aim at unregistered crypto broker-dealer, exchange trading, and clearing activity. Crypto companies refute that tokens meet the definition of a security say the SEC's rules are ambiguous, and that the SEC is overstepping its authority and trying to regulate them. Still, many companies have boosted compliance, shelved products, and expanded outside the country in response to the crackdown. Kristen Smith, who is the CEO of the Blockchain Association Trade Group, rejected Gensler's efforts to oversee the industry. We're confident the courts will prove Chair Gensler wrong in due time, she said. On Monday, the SEC accused Binance of inflating trading volumes, diverting customer funds, improperly commingling assets, failing to restrict U.S. customers from its platform, and misleading customers about its controls. Binance pledged to vigorously defend itself against the lawsuit, which it said reflected the SEC's misguided and conscious refusal to provide clarity to the crypto industry. Customers pulled around $790 million from Binance and its U.S. affiliate following the lawsuit. On Tuesday, the SEC filed a motion to freeze assets belonging to Binance, Binance U.S.'s affiliate. The holding company of Binance is based in the Cayman Islands. Uh, Former Fox News host Tucker Carlson released his first episode of his new show on Twitter on Tuesday, weeks after being taken off the air by the network following a damaging defamation lawsuit over false claims of election fraud. The one-time top-rating talk show host on U.S. cable television said he hoped Twitter would be the shortwave radio under the blankets with no gatekeepers. 
If that turns out to be false, we'll leave. The show is named Tucker on Twitter, and Carlson said he would be back with much more very soon. Twitter's owner Elon Musk tweeted after Carlson posted his video that it would be great to have shows from all parts of the political spectrum on the platform. I know a lot of people out there like to really shit on Elon Musk, but he pisses off everyone because he's trying really hard to remain consistent with his position. He wants Twitter to be the place for free speech. Regardless of what position you take, every voice has the ability to be heard, or in this case, seen. Uh, Mayor Eric Adams now wants to start paying everyday New Yorkers to shelter migrants in their own homes as the Big Apple struggles to find beds for the thousands of asylum seekers still flooding into the city. In his latest attempt to battle the ongoing migrant crisis, Adams on Monday floated a half-baked private residence plan which could possibly see local homeowners getting compensation to put up asylum seekers. Hisner put forward the proposal as he revealed religious leaders had agreed to start housing adult male migrants overnight at 50 places of worship scattered across the five boroughs next month. There are residents who are suffering right now because of economic challenges. They have spare rooms, they have locales, The mayor said, arguing his private residence proposal could put money back in the pockets of taxpayers. Adams didn't offer up specifics on how the plan would work, including how much New Yorkers could potentially receive per night to cover the cost of hosting a migrant. A spokesperson also did not respond when asked if the mayor would take in migrants at his Brooklyn home. He did say, however, that the city would pay places of worship a nightly rate of about $125 for each asylum seeker, which is cheaper than the $380 it currently costs to put up a migrant household, including a family with kids or just single adults, in one of its shelter hotels. If the private residence plan went ahead, it could mean New Yorkers are being paid more to host a migrant than a foster parent is given to raise a child in the Empire State. The state currently pays a daily allowance of $40 for children aged over 12 years old, according to the Office of Children and Family Services. It's cheaper and a good investment for us to go to a family and assist them instead of placing people in large congregate settings or in these emergency hotels, Adams insisted of his private home plan. We're trying to navigate all the rules of how to get it done. There are many layers to how someone can use their space. We want to make sure that we follow all the rules and those rules that need to be changed within my power, we will push to do so. If there's rules that need to be changed on the state level, we're going to reach out to our state colleagues to do so. Some homeowners were quick to rip the mayor's plan as nuts and half-baked given the scarcity of details. It would be absolute bedlam, Park Slope resident Zinejab Jaw told The Post. Her partner, Tim Naylor, who has owned their townhouse for 24 years, added that migrants shouldn't be getting a free ride when many New Yorkers cannot afford a decent place of their own. Even if it was worth it to homeowners, the city shouldn't be spending our money on that kind of crap. 
You have enough New Yorkers who can barely afford to live, he said. Before you know it, we're going to get flooded with even more migrants. Tom Harriman, who owns his condo in Park Slope, also weighed in on Adam's latest migrant proposal, insisting the plan seems really strange. Who are these people? What are the housing conditions? The 77-year-old retiree said. He suggested the mayor was all talk, adding, it's all sound bites, but you don't find any details. New York City Council Republican leader Joe Borelli posted on social media, what are the goals? When do we stop paying? What is the off-ramp? The city is currently bursting at the seams to house 45,900 asylum seekers in the 157 emergency sites set up across the five boroughs. Roughly 2,200 migrants arrived at the city shelters in the last week alone. According to City Hall, the Adams administration has come under fire of late for the ways in which he's trying to deal with the crisis, including temporarily housing migrants in elementary school gyms. The newly announced faith-based plan, which is part of a new two-year partnership with the New York Disaster Interfaith Services, has the capacity to house roughly 1,000 migrants initially. As part of the program, the city will also open five daytime centers to provide migrant support during the day to allow the faith-based spaces to continue to offer their normal services to New Yorkers. Our city has witnessed an unprecedented influx of asylum seekers coming to New York City since last spring. Um, that was Pastor Gil Monrose, or Monrose, Executive Director of the Office of Faith-Based Community Partnerships. It's interesting when these other places start to get to experience what border states have gone through for years. Perhaps we will see a more concerted effort to work on closing our border. I doubt it. If the think tanks of the world are considering how to incentivize you to bring them into your home rather than stopping them in the first place. Iran claimed on Tuesday that it had created a hypersonic missile capable of traveling at 15 times the speed of sound, adding a new weapon to its arsenal, as tensions remain high with the United States over Tehran's nuclear program. Psst, I don't know if you heard this or not, but Russia just told everyone last week that they're going to be handing out nuclear weapons like Oprah handed out car keys. Iran's nuclear program is less of a worry to me than their capability to deliver a nuke. This new missile called Fatah, or Conqueror in Farsi, was unveiled even as Iran said it would reopen its diplomatic posts on Tuesday in Saudi Arabia after reaching a detente with Riyadh following years of conflict. The tightly choreographed segment on Iranian state television apparently sought to show that Tehran's hardline government can still deploy arms against its enemies across much of the Middle East. Today, we feel that the deterrent power has been formed, Iranian President Ebrahim Rasi said at the event. Raisi, this power is an anchor of lasting security and peace for the regional countries. General Amir Ali Haj- Hajizada, the head of the paramilitary Revolutionary Guards Aerospace Program, unveiled what appeared to be a model of the missile. 
Hajizada claimed the missile had a range of up to 14,000 kilometers or 870 miles. There exists no system that can rival or counter this missile, Hajizada claimed. That claim, however, depends on how maneuverable the missile is. Ballistic missiles fly on a trajectory in which anti-missile systems like the Patriot can anticipate their path and intercept them. Tuesday's event showed what appeared to be a movable nozzle for the FATA, which could allow it to change trajectories in flight. The more irregular the missile's flight path, the more difficult it becomes to intercept. Iranian officials did not release footage of FATA successfully launching and then striking a target. Hajizada later said there had been a ground test for the missile's engine. A ground test involves a rocket motor being put on a stand and fired to check its abilities while launching a missile with that rocket motor, and it is much more complex. Hypersonic weapons, which fly at speeds in excess of Mach 5, or five times the speed of sound, could pose crucial challenges to missile defense systems because of their speed and maneuverability. Iran described the Fatah as being able to reach Mach 15, which is... 15 times the speed of sound. China is believed to be pursuing the weapons, as is America. Russia claims to already be fielding the weapons and has said it used them on the battlefield in Ukraine. However, speed and maneuverability isn't a guarantee the missile will successfully strike a target. Ukraine's Air Force in May said it shot down a Russian hypersonic Kinzhal missile with a Patriot battery. That is your Wednesday edition of everything yesterday this morning. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend, like, subscribe, turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. I will be back on Friday morning as we have book club this evening. Um, We are reading six of the last 11 chapters tonight for, uh, for the remainder of this book, and we'll be starting a new one in two weeks. So that is all for today. If you guys want to join us, we'll be doing that at 1015 Eastern Standard Time on Twitter Spaces. If not, you guys take care and I'll see you on Friday. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.